The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So if you're one of the thousands who provide care uh, for a loved one, you are very likely feeling the stress. According to a recent survey, which is titled A Tale of Two Solitudes Experienced by Alberta Family Caregivers During COVID-19, Alberta's caregivers are taking on additional work to care for their loved ones, and that is leading to increased anxiety and increased stress. Sandy Sarita is the CEO of Caregivers Alberta. She joins us now. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Taylin. Well, thank you for joining me. This is a, a really interesting topic uh, for me. I, I am just, I'm really interested in exploring this uh, a little, well, a lot with you this afternoon. When we talk about about caregivers, Sandy, what, who exactly are we talking about? We define a caregiver as a family or a friend who is looking after somebody uh, challenged with disabilities, uh, aging or uh, chronic illness. And so it might be as simple as uh, running to the store and getting groceries for somebody, or it might mean um, uh, giving them medications, or it might mean literally that if it's a person with a dementia patient, that they're living with Mm -hmm. that uh, person with dementia full time and doing all of the essential caregiving for that person. So Sandy, I'm I'm wondering um, then, does does a caregiver, is that outside of a uh, outside of a facility? Because I, I would suspect that there were some people that that would say that no, I'm still a caregiver, even though you know, even before COVID, that you know my my loved one is in a facility of some uh, continuing care home, something like that. So just to clarify, if I'm a- a- answering your question correctly, um, some yeah. people refer to a paid a paid healthcare professional as a caregiver. We do not. We look like a, look at a caregiver as an yep. unpaid person who is going above and beyond. Yeah, Sandy, I'm sorry that was a, that was confusing, and I and that was that's that's my fault. Those, but if if your loved one is in a facility and you're still yes. providing care in somewhere, you would still be considered a caregiver, right? Yes, you would. And as a matter of fact, the um, recent regulations that came in in July have now identified those people as essential caregivers. In other Mm. words, they are absolutely essential to the day-to-day living of their loved one in the facility. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I wanted to clarify there because again, I think that some people might think that it's just someone living outside of it or at home or something like something like that. So when we talk about um, the past nine, ten months and the the added impact um, on on those caregivers, we're looking at some some pretty staggering numbers, and and I think it's fair to say that it w- that it was stressful to begin with. Being yes, a caregiver is stressful to begin with. Yes, and and COVID has added on layers and layers of stress and anxiety and loneliness. One of the ones that we really, when we did this study, were amazed by is that we estimated previously that 50% of uh, caregivers would have said that they were experiencing loneliness. That figure now is 86%. Wow. And loneliness is uh, is a real health risk. They combine another study com- uh, compares smoking fifteen cigarettes per day as the same health risk of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And of course, so if, if you any, really if get if a you, sense of you get a sense of the physical yeah. problems that are relevant in this when we talk about loneliness. It's not just the emotional part. 
No, not at all. And dealing with anxiety for anyone who's had to, to deal with that, that feeling, that fight or flight feeling all the time, that can just be incredibly overwhelming and exhausting as well. So you add up all of those things. You talk about loneliness, you talk about anxiety and, you know, that adds to the stress, adds to the exhaustion. So what do we need to, to, to be paying attention to here, Sandy, when, when you're waving the flag right now about this, what do people need to be aware of and what do we need to be doing to address this? Do you know one of the very first and simplest things we can do is to ask a caregiver, how are you doing? Mm. And and not just accept the I'm fine, uh, which we as caregivers tend to say over and over and over again, but to really say, how are you really doing? And sometimes it's just somebody listening that can make all the difference in the world to make a person feel like they're validated. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it might mean running to get groceries for somebody or running to get that prescription or doing some of those little tasks so that the primary caregiver has a chance to just breathe and not feel so overwhelmed. I'm wondering if there's um, an added maybe sense of of guilt that can be layered on top of the anxiety and the loneliness, Sandy, because of maybe not being able to do as much as before because of the situation of the pandemic. Did you look into that? Does that play a role at all? It absolutely plays a role. It's one of the emotions that often comes up right at the top. Um, see, people feel like they're not doing well enough at their job, they're not doing well enough at home, they're not doing well enough as they care for their care recipient, and they just feel like they're spread too thin. So always there's that overwhelming sense of guilt. Yeah, how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that, that, that sense of guilt, Sandy? One of the things that we try to teach people is that um, it's okay to feel guilty and it's okay to feel angry it's okay to to feel all of those emotions that you're feeling and that um you need to validate them and and accept them as part of your care journey um and being able to share that care journey with another caregiver might or another group of caregivers might also be of help but we really try to um lead people through education sessions that to try to validate where people are at in any point of their care journey. And and that really was what Caregivers Alberta, when it was founded, what almost twenty years ago now, was was mm-hmm. really about was 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 having that support because really that that support wasn't in place before. And I wonder how many people actually know um, know the, the the support options that Caregivers Alberta offers that that you're even out there because I think a lot of people feel that that journey might be a a, a quite solitary one. A very solo one, yes. And and I must admit that we don't have a great profile, um, that people don't know of us, about us as much as, say, the Cancer Society or the MS Society. So um, so conversations like this are really important for, for caregivers to self-identify and say, oh, yeah, I do those things. And I care because I'm the daughter or I'm the, the spouse. But it does mean a change to to my sense of well-being and it does mean that I'm overwhelmed and lonely. So so part of it is just that self-recognition piece.
I think that there's probably a, a lack of, of understanding by a lot of people that that um, that caregivers are actually caregivers. It's, it's not just a, a job that, that comes along or it's not just a role that comes along with being a, a family member or a friend, um, you know, loved one, whatever that is. And I think that mm-hmm. that's got to be a little bit of a mindset change. I think it does too. And I I think that people don't recognize how much value they're providing to their family, but how much value they're providing to our economy. When Mm -hmm. between 70 and 80% of the caregiving is provided in the home by caregivers, that's a phenomenal amount. If we actually had to replace that with paid caregiving, <laughs> our government would be paying $5.8 billion extra mm. a year. Wow. Wow. Can you even, I can't even imagine that when you, when you look at the, you know, when, when you look at the, the situations that we find ourselves in, in now, I, I think so it's, yeah. So it's not even other people that have to recognize the caregiver's role. It's the person, the person that's doing the caregiving that has to recognize that role as well. And again, yeah. it's a, it's, it's a mindset thing, um, you know, with, without a doubt, but they need to make sure that they are, are taking care of themselves because I think what can happen is that you just try to take it on and on and on and and maybe it gets to the point where you just can't do it anymore and then guilt comes back in maybe when you're thinking about having to put someone into a home there's so many layers to this sandy And and so many questions that people have to ask. Um, I I don't know how many people I have heard right now say, I won't put my loved one in a long-term care facility because of COVID. And yet yet then they're taking on the extra responsibilities. Um, So those are challenging questions to ask as a family right now. I, you know, I, I, I oftentimes when we have conversations like this or if we're talking about long-term care facilities, Sandy, and um, some people will text in and say, you know, why, why doesn't North America maybe do or North Americans do a better job at taking care of our, our loved ones like compared to other countries? Um, other uh, nationalities or other countries, yes. and 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 I, is is that is is that fair to say? Because I, I look some, you know, I wonder sometimes if, you know, if we're just talking about our seniors and our and our elderly, if if in 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 other in other communities, if you know that that the family responsibility is just something that we that just automatically comes with where you are, uh, where you're living, how you've grown up. I, I, I don't know. I think yeah. some, some ethnicities just have a different way of thinking about that. I, I think it is fair to say, Jaylin. I think that um, in different cultures, they view the whole death and dying um, mm. process very differently than we do in a, a white Anglo-Saxon culture. Um, they certainly deal with the whole sense of of the elderly much differently than we do. Um, and I know that we have a lot to learn in terms of um, our society and how can we learn from different cultures who um, you know, live in large families where caring for an elderly person does not feel like it's such an onerous job because mm-hmm. they've got many people making light work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a... 
It's definitely a cultural thing. Yeah, really interesting. Sandy Streeter joining us this afternoon. Um, One of the things um, that that your organization says, and I was reading some articles and, and watching some videos today, is that caregiving is a journey and that you need to prepare for that. How does one prepare for that, Sandy? Oh, that's a great question. Some of it is um, having tough conversations or loving conversations with your family to indicate what each, uh, what the person who's challenged by dementia or um, aging or frailty wants as they reach the end of life. It also means having conversations about what are the strengths, the assets that each family member brings to the table. Uh, For instance, in my family, my brother um, is the person who deals with my mom's finances. Um, But my sister or me are the ones that are more likely to accompany my mom to a medical appointment. So so some of those conversations need to happen. Um, Conversations about where do I want to live? Um, Do I want to continue living in my own house? Or do I want to live in a congregate care setting? Um, Thereby hopefully reducing the stress on my children. so, so there's a whole process that we can go through about handling these issues as a family. And I think that um, there are courses out there. We don't currently have one, but we're looking into one that, that really do help um, to have those crucial conversations. Yeah, they're you know they're they're tough conversations, or they can be tough conversations, but they're really important conversations, especially when you're getting to you know a stage in life when you when you see things happening or or something has happened. Um, you, you need to you need to find out about it. And again, if we circle back around to what you know we we dialed you up to talk about today about you know caring for the caregiver and making sure that that people are are, are well looked after and that they're that they're supported as well. They're just not doing the support and i you know there's a lot of information that you can find at caregiversalberta.ca sandy before i let you go anything else that you want people to know about um you know from this conversation i'd love to point out that caregivers alberta is open over the holidays so if there are caregivers that are struggling and need uh, some peer support or need to talk to caregiver coach our lines open Um, And uh, they can also find out about our peer support systems by going to our website and looking under our calendar. Um, Did you say caregiver's coach? Yes. We have (laughs) caregiver coaches on staff (laughs) (laughs) who who help people to deal with and, and, and face the issues that they're dealing with. Uh, you're providing a great service, Sandy, uh, you and your organization and offering us uh, a lot to think about. And uh, I think it's a, it's a really important conversation. So I want to thank you for joining us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for inviting me.
Yeah, you betcha. Sandy Sarita joining us. She is the CEO of Caregivers Alberta. You can find out more at caregiversalberta.ca. And uh, I think that there's, you know, some interesting numbers there. But also I think that if, you, if, if you've been dealing with this or if you think about, you know, the possibility of having, you know, somewhere down the road, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to address. There's a lot to tackle. And there's a lot to make sure that you're doing, you're doing right, but also taking care of yourself as well while you're taking care of somebody else.